You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. What we need in South Africa is less of this government thinking that it has to be a job creator when what it should be doing is creating the conducive conditions for the market and the private sector to create new businesses that in turn create jobs. That said, though, I think during times of extreme shocks and a crisis like the one that COVID and the lockdowns have ushered in and where jobs have been absolutely decimated between 2.2 million and 2.8 million lost, depending on the stats essay or the NIDS cram data, it really is hard to argue against some form of counter-cyclical government intervention. Western Cape Premier Alan Windy announced uh, the provincial government's plan to respond to the real economic challenges that affect the province when he addressed the legislature and the province last week Thursday and uh, in parts it rests on this sort of counter-cyclical provincial support. Premier, welcome. No long COVID effects, I hope. Thank you very much. Uh, good to be with you. And uh, no, I, I mean, I have heard of people that seem to have lingering issues. My main problem was sugar and sugar diabetes, but uh, it took a bit of a while to get the sugars under control, but they seem to be fine now. And, uh, you know, on the weekend, I can still get my 70, 80 Ks on my bicycle. So I'm okay. That's not too shabby at all. Pleased to hear that you are going well. Now, as you announced on Thursday, you've really focused as a province on three areas here. Jobs, safety and dignity as another bucket, and then well-being. And you say they're all really interconnected. You can't remove one from the mix without having some kind of knock-on impact on the others. Uh, what are the big decisions that you've taken in the economic and the job space, the so-called moonshots, as you've called them? So, I mean, you said in the introduction that, uh, you know, the government has a role to play and especially in the counter-cyclical kind of environment. I also had a, a book that I've just read called The Entrepreneurial State by Mariana Masicato, so uh, from London School of Economics, uh, which is kind of like disrupted my mind. Um, but uh, these are the kind of things that we've got to be doing and saying what is it that a government can do that is counter-cyclical at the same time to create a, uh, creating a really conducive environment. So, of course, it's continuing to cut red tape uh, that's been my focus in Baby for a long time, and uh, we've really got to make it easier to do business uh, across all of government. You know, it's not just an economic development department. Every department that has anything to do with, uh, you know, affecting how entrepreneurs get their businesses going. But then what I've also asked is, uh, I said it's time that we put an infrastructure agency in place. We have, uh, you know, huge infrastructure holdings. Um, most of it's for social infrastructure, but what can we, how can we enable, um, you know, economic infrastructure investment and what is it that we can do uh, in that arena and how do we have an agency that can actually do business? And then uh, as a province, we've never borrowed money for, we've never borrowed money uh, for stock. And uh, so I've said this and I think it's time now in that counterfeitical environment not to just borrow money for anything, but can we borrow money that's going mm. to help the economic side of the equation. You know, maybe we need to borrow money to put in energy plants. Maybe we need to borrow money to get the rail system completed um, if there's not enough coming uh, from the state or perhaps anything to do with e promoting economic growth. And then, um, yeah, then we've got some interesting things. I've got a, what we call the blue dot taxi system. During COVID-19, we had a problem and that was uh, we couldn't get our nurses to our hospitals during um, the lockdown and during the curfew. 
and uh, we had to get them safely to our hospitals and back. And they themselves could have put passengers to risk in, in ordinary taxis from public transport. So we, uh, you know, not normal, the government does a, does a, a partnership with uh, the taxi mm-hmm. industry, but we partnered with them and we've done more than 110,000 partner trips getting nurses to and from work. And uh, so now we want to expand that and say, well, how do we put an incentivized program into public transport? So if the taxi partner um, doesn't have complaints from the, the commuters, sticks to the speed limit, make sure they drive properly because we'll have um, you know, transponders on the vehicle, yeah. then they will get a subsidy. Yeah. And so we're trying to get behavioral change in, in public transport. And then the last thing is really to open up our spend, our pipeline of our spend on infrastructure as government. Um, how do we open that up? How do I get, uh, you know, let's, let's perhaps bring forward some of the school painting or, or some, of the, some of the public works mm-hmm. uh, work that we do, which specifically SMMEs and our, and our smaller construction companies would get those tenders. Let's get that opened up. Let's open the pipeline as quickly as we can um, while we're enabling, you know, other investment and, and, and the economy to grow. Very interesting. And I, I think many themes there, the one that runs through it for me is the thinking around public-private partnerships, which is very much part of uh, central government's thinking under President Saul Ramaphosa. And you mentioned uh, economist Mariana Mazzucato. Uh, she's a special advisor to the president as well. And a big advocate of this innovative state and the state thinking yeah. a lot more innovatively about its role as a catalyst. When you look at, and let's focus on a particular area here, let's look at infrastructure, because I think it's a big national priority. Interesting to see how you're approaching this. As you said, you're going to create a, a special entity under the PFMA, and you can explore for the first time in the history of the province the possibility of borrowing money from financial institutions to invest specifically in infrastructure. How will this work in practice? So, for example, we're in the process of developing a special green economic zone in Atlantis. How do we invest that we put our own energy plants in there, we put our own recycling, our own water systems, that in actual fact, as a provincial government, we never do, or up until now we've never done it. Uh, maybe we even in, you know, invest in other infrastructure that is going to be partnered with uh, businesses to get some of those companies uh, invested and up and running. You know, maybe for me, you know, maybe the next tech university is going to be a partnership with a you know global company, and maybe we're going to we're going to come along with the land and and maybe even contribute towards the building of that entity, which is not normally a provincial job, or perhaps it's a new road somewhere that doesn't exist at the moment, but we know if we put that road in, we're going to open up a whole lot of new agricultural possibilities. Mm. So, I mean, in the last while, we've now become. If we, if we measure our citrus exports out of the Western Cape alone, we now can compete as the second biggest exporter of citrus in the world, second to Spain. Uh, we surpass that of America now in our citrus exports just in a, <laughs> as a province. Hmm. Um, now, that was enabled through, through water infrastructure and roads infrastructure. Um, what other infrastructure could we invest in? And if we don't have the money for it, then let's borrow the money for it. And uh, and crowd in uh, private sector expertise at the same time. In terms of timelines, what sort of timelines have you committed your administration to here? Because obviously things are urgent in an economic environment where we've seen the economy take such a knock from COVID and the lockdowns. We know tourism, a big part of the Western Cape uh, economy, that's taken a big knock. What sort of timelines have you committed to? Well, from, from the, the Transport Authority and the Infrastructure Agency, I've said let's just try and get this done this, this, this financial year. So that's uh, 
you know, five months ago, nearly, well, I suppose you take Christmas out, it's four months. I think in the blue dot stuff, we want to see it next year. And the opening of the, for the SMMEs is immediate. It's, it's right now. Um, and linked to that is also some, some, uh, you know, what can we be doing around, you know, state funded jobs? In other words, almost like these EPWP type jobs but that can actually, you know, just at least put some food on the table uh, immediately, 20,000 of those. Um, how do we open that up quickly? Uh, where are some of the needs that could be clearing some of the alien vegetation in some of our river systems, uh, that kind of thing? And maybe also linking those jobs through to helping the infrastructure maintenance side of things. Let's get the schools painted or let's get the, you know, some of the roads repaired that, uh, that need that repair immediately. Ambitious plans. Great to hear that you're thinking so innovatively and out of the box at this time, as you call them, moonshot uh, ideas. Reminds me of a book by John Sarney as well. Now, one last question around um, water restrictions and water tariffs in the Western Cape. We follow it uh, rather enviously here in a very dry Johannesburg where our dams are precariously low, thanks largely to what's happening in the Vaal River system and, and Lesotho. We, we're starting to see a few trickles of rain, but we are conserving water and using it sparingly. The Western Cape's dams, you've gone from day zero to almost 100% full if you look around the place. Uh, what's happening in terms of the water tariff? Some people complain down there that it is still uh, stultifying. So the, the municipality of the city of Cape Town has actually announced that they will now reduce that tariff because those dams are at 100%. But, you know, we also have to remind everybody that reducing a tariff doesn't mean that it's a free-for-all and just open your taps. Because uh, if you go from when we were suffering from day zero back three years, our dams were also pretty full. So it can change very quickly, especially when we have the population growth that we're having. Lots of you know, people moving to the province for opportunities, whether they be jobs or, or healthcare or education opportunities um, or, or job opportunities. It's, it's people moving here um, and investing here. And it's putting a lot of strain on our infrastructure. You know, we need to make sure that, we, that we're able to invest in it. And that also takes a fair amount of time and conserve what we have got. I mean, we've learned huge lessons and we're still seeing the usage down. But uh, as we start to warm up in summer, it's going to pick up and we've got to make sure that we continue to manage it safely and uh, manage it in a way that, uh, that gives us that sustainability. But I must say that the tariff now has been reduced. But again, my warning is look, it's just not that mm. doesn't mean you, that save the money, but don't open the tap. Absolutely. Uh, we do suffer from recency bias uh, as, as human uh, mm. beings, funny creatures. We are Alan Windy, Premier of the Western Cape. Thank you very much. Uh, some great innovative uh, ideas, ambitious, uh, and I think exactly what the country and certainly the province uh, needs right now.